Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Let's open our Bibles. Now, Jesus in this text is trying to really take care of our worries and anxieties the frustrations that come by the hour and sometimes you sit back and ask how will I get this provision? How will I get that provision? How will things come through this way? I'm looking for fees. How will it come about and things like that. And so that's why he speaks of the fowls of the air for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into bands yet their heavenly father feeds them. But my emphasis tonight is on the 28th verse. Because much as this text talks about how we ought to lean in faith on what his promises have guaranteed for our provision, there is something that caught my attention in the 28th verse. He says, and why take ye thought for raiment? In other words, why do you worry about your clothes? He says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. He says, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed like one of these. So he speaks of the God who clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven. He says, how much more shall he clothe thee? But that's not what I want to preach about today. My emphasis is on the lilies because I saw a wonderful lesson there of the field, the lilies of the field. He says, look at how they grow. He says, they neither toil nor spin. And then he gives us the example of Solomon. Solomon was a man so arrayed. Scripture tells us how smartly dressed Solomon was. If we're talking about kings, the Bible speaks of the glory that was on Solomon by how he was arrayed how he was clothed, the majesty on him. And I realized something. Wisdom clothes. I don't know whether somebody understood what I just said. The wisdom of God puts a certain raiment on you. There's a reason why one of the most arrayed kings in scripture, the same, was a man which was given wisdom by God. But then the Lord started to show me something. That everything Solomon wore was made by human hands. Every beauty that you saw on Solomon's raiment was made by human hands. It's the perfection of beauty that the best tailors or artists could make on cloth. This is what Solomon put on a wall. And the Lord starts to show me, when you look at the lilies, not only do they not toil nor spin, but he says, I'm the one that designs them. As it is that Solomon is arrayed by the works of the best tailors or artists. So I too dress the lilies as my own work in my own perfection. 
a light went on. I started to see the difference between whatever a man can do in the perfection of things versus what God can do in the perfection of things. I started to see the perfection that comes from the hands of men, the works of men, and the perfection that only can come from the works of God. And much as that text tells us not to worry about raiment, but here, God through the same text is showing us another revelation that I've never seen before. That the lilies, I dressed myself. The lilies, I designed the colors thereof. The lilies, I made their shapes and their form. With Solomon, this man made, it's the works of man, the perfect and greatest there is. And God told me something. He said, my children invest a lot of time trying to work for me, yet I have called them to allow me to make them my work. Hey! <laughs> Who understood what I just said? That we invest a lot of time trying to do so much for God. And yet, He prefers that you allow Him to make you His work. You remember the two ladies, Martha and Mary. Theologians tell us it was the feast of Purim. So, you know, they invited guests and fed them. And so Martha comes in. In fact, she's the one who invites the Lord Jesus into the house. And then she went into the kitchen to prepare him a meal. But while she was preparing Jesus a meal, the Bible says, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus Christ. Martha being disturbed in trying to fulfill the law of the feast. There's something deep there. Came to the master. The Bible says she was cumbered about much serving. And she told him, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she should help me. Don't you care that I'm here fulfilling the law of the feast when there's a woman seated on her feet doing nothing? Culturally, what Mary was doing was wrong. And Jesus says to Martha, 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 you are careful, you see, and troubled about many things. I see that presupposition again in the understanding of the text itself when it tells us that do not worry about what you will wear. Do not worry about what you will eat. He's telling Martha, you are careful about many things. You're troubled about many things. When you find a person who is so careful about many things, anxious about many things, troubled about many things, this is a person who has been programmed to work, to please a God who has called them to allow him to work in them and make them his own work. That's the only way you can tell that you're either living in grace or you are in the works of the law. We are all ministers of God and we love him dearly. But the pattern of God as given by scripture was never that you give as much as you can for God to bless you. That's wrong teaching. The truth is that you yield to him as much of yourself and allow him to work through you. That the giving required is not of your works, ability, potential, or even desire. It's beyond you. It's his work in you laboring to give what you ought to give. That is a worthy sacrifice because it does not begin from carnality. It's a worthy sacrifice because it does not begin within our own abilities and potentials. It does not look at our credibility. It's a worthy sacrifice because it does not begin with us. And because it does not begin with us, it does not end with us. Who has understood what I'm saying? Paul said that I labored more than all my brethren. 
Yet not I, he said, but the grace of God which was with me. In essence, the grace that was bestowed upon me was not in vain. When he gave me grace, something came inside me and I found myself praying longer than other people would pray. Fasting longer than other people would fast. Giving bigger than any man could give. Forgiving more than any man would forgive. Letting go than any man would let go. Yet not I, he said, but the grace of God which worked with me. The grace of God was inside me fulfilling these things. I was simply the extension of God's work as I became his work. I allowed him to work me out. <laughs> work out your salvation in fear and trembling. There is no full stop on that sentence. If you're a reader of the Bible, he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. That's where the full stop should be. For it is God who works in you. That's where the full stop should be. Both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. He works in you. He works in you. Somebody said amen. So you are working for it is he who works in you. You get it? You are working your salvation for it is he who works in you. You are praying for it is he who prays through you. You are fasting for it is he which fasts through you. You are giving for it is he which gives through you. The full stop was supposed to be of his good pleasure. It was supposed to be there. Are you following what I'm saying? You understand grammar, English grammar? There should have been a comma there. Are you following? But we are so inclined to what we must do to please a master who is already pleased with us through Christ's sacrifice. You know, some of you should understand what Jesus did. Jesus, the Bible calls him the propitiation of our sins. The propitiation. The propitiation of our sins. And not only for us, but for the world. The word there for propitiation is the perfect sacrifice. There is nothing you can ever do or add enough on what Jesus has done to please God. Nothing. Some of you think you can say, okay, Jesus died, but there's an extra thing I can do to, to catch. You can't. Propitiation there means he is the perfect sacrifice. He was all God wanted, minus your seed, minus your sacrifice, minus whatever you thought you could give God. You know, we still have believers who think that there's something besides what God did that you can do. Nothing. He says your righteousness is filthy rags. You can never please God in your own ability, strength. Nothing. You can't, even if you try. There's nothing you'll ever do to supersede what Christ has done for you when he died at the cross to carry your sins. It must sink in your skull. It must sit in your spirit. You know, every time we teach that, people say, ah, you know, those people don't care about works. We do care about works. But we understand the order. The order here is, it's not in what I do to please God. It is in what he does through me. The work begins with him and the work ends with him. I'm not at the beginning. I'm not at the middle and I'm not at the end of this transaction. I am simply an available vessel. I'm a work of God. Tell your neighbor, I am a work of God. How many of you can attest to sitting in the word 
and you hear a preacher preaching for some time as some of you have sat under funeral and then one day you realize certain things have changed with you you didn't wake up and say i'm going to stop quarreling you just found yourself somebody insults you and you saw that that particular point you also going to send a bazooka and you find yourself saying i forgive you and then you walk back home and then you think to yourself now the kind of man switches on and i should have slapped them do i have a witness oh the words you should have said quote and unquote now start coming through your head the ultimate response is late why because the love of god at that particular point when your temper was up constrained you i tell people that there are people i know i'm their pastor i wish they met them before salvation there are some people you see here they that you they even tell them tell your neighbor you're welcome i say you're welcome but that girl oh she was a dangerous woman an atomic bomb nuclear weapon sit up there now she's humble in fact married but they just used to sit in the message and listen while the preacher was preaching and as the word comes in it is cleansing her spirit from anger it's cleansing her spirit from hatred it's cleansing the spirit from jealousy and contention and strife and gossip and slander and blackmail and witchcraft and wickedness and lugesigesi kasidiki my god that's why when some people are singing songs and you see them crying understand because there are songs for them which are testimony wansumululanze <laughs> so somebody says i wish some people so what i was hallelujah glory to god you sat in a meeting and while they taught sickness started to leave you you had a bad stomach issue a digestive issue there's something that used to disturb your system but as you continued sitting around the word one time you remember you woke up and the pain you used to have in the morning is no longer there you don't even remember when it left but you sat under the word god made you his work you spent years without a job You got frustrated until you said ah, I think let me leave this thing. Started coming to Fanero or started sitting under a good teacher and one day while you're sitting under a good teacher a call comes through. And then as they employ another job also calls. How many of you have ever received two three jobs that I go put up your hands? Look at those hands. And then you say but where were these jobs all along? One time a dear daughter of mine told me Apostle Grace I'm going to tell you something so painful. Do you know no guy, no guy, she used the word no guy. For the last 3 or 4 years has even winked at me. I asked her what do you want? She told me I need some attention, I need to settle. People are bold. I told her kneel down. I said, "Father, in the mighty name of Jesus." <laughs> I remove the veil of her face. May men disturb her. Two months later, ay 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 ay, papa, papa, ay ay ay, they are calling, they are calling, they are calling. She's the one saying, "Leave me alone." They're hanging them up. Then we identified the right one. Now she's a married woman. You're welcome. you need but the what does it all <laughs> the what does it all that is why we must understand the gift of righteousness imputed through faith because it's the rightness of god that shines on us it's what will warrant god to work on us in us 
at his own will and purpose. When this thing comes on your life, even when you're sleeping, God is working on you. Hallelujah. Even when you are awake, God is working on you. You're walking back home, God is working on you. You are at your workplace on your computer, he is working on you. And this is what I realized. Like the juxtaposition of the lilies by God and Solomon arrayed by the hands of men. Whatever the hands of men does, I have realized will corrupt one day. It fails one day. It runs out one day. It faints. It ends. No steaming horse, they say, runs forever. But that which God does in your life. So when the Bible says, who saw the sun sets free? They are free indeed. I want you to understand what that means. If it is God who comes and says you are free from diabetes, Nothing in this world can put diabetes on your body again. Why? Because it's his work. Some of us understood this earlier than some of you. While they were pushing us and teaching us to work it out, we learned how to simply be his work. That is why I emphasize the place of learning to yield to God. It's the best definition of an intimate relationship with your master. Yielding, giving yourself to him wholly. The Bible says, meditate on these things. Give yourself wholly to them. The Bible says, your profiting shall appear to all men. You're not trying to profit. The direction of your investment or purpose is not in trying to profit. No, the direction is meditating and giving yourself wholly to these things. And as you continue to meditate and give yourself wholly to these things, the Bible says your profiting appears. This is not a man who woke up to profit. This is a man who just set themselves meditating. This is a man who set themselves to reading and giving themselves wholly to the way and will of God, the Bible says, my son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. He's talking about a man who didn't wake up that day to say, I'm going to seek God until I get a car. I'm going to seek God until I get a house. That's a work. I'm going to seek God until I get married. I'm, I'm going to pray until this baby comes. No, 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 no. He's not talking about that kind of person. He's talking about the person who invested so much time in God that the yoke of barrenness is broken because of the anointing. Years ago, I was telling people, when Abraham sent his servant to go ahead and he sends his angel ahead, was it Eliezer? He sends Eliezer ahead to go with the angel these guys understand God. He says, I've sent my angel with you to go ahead of you, to go find my son, a wife among my people. Leza went. And then this man gets to a certain pool somewhere. And then he speaks something in the heavens. And he says, the woman who shall come and give water to me and my camels, that shall be my master's wife. Rebecca didn't go to the well to get a husband. Come on now. Rebecca was wired by a prayer from Kala Mozidala. An angel started telling her, maybe, just maybe, Rebecca, this is the time to fetch water. And I realized God, God can set you up by deliberately not telling you the end of a matter but leading you to the direction of somebody's prayer because that man's prayer is going to reconcile you to your destiny come on now get a woman to be led by the spirit come to the well and lay down a pitcher when she dies and I come
come and I tell the girls around I need water and me and my animals. There's a queen bee who'll be fetching water and the guy says, I need water with my animals. And she's like, then she goes away. And then after that, she goes on a mountain. Man, oh Lord, man. Adam, 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 Adam. Somebody shout amen. Rebecca did not go to that well. And I promised to teach a mystery soon. Why our patriarchs met their wives at wells? There's a mystery. <laughs> their wives were gotten from wells. There's a mystery there. Hallelujah, somebody. She didn't wake up to say, me, I'm going to get what? If the girls at the well knew, that there's a guy called Isaac. He's a patriarch. God has anointed him as a preservation of the posterity of the patriarchal as he has designed it for his family. That lineage shall rule over the earth. And at midday, his servant will come unawares and ask for water. My God. I know a woman who would have gotten the whole well. Salt fire. But that's how God works. A man made a prayer and a certain woman's heart picked it. And then she goes on the well. All these girls are there, but she just feels like there's a voice telling her, fetch water for these animals and this man. Fetch water for these animals and this man. And she just started fetching water. As she's fetching water, she's aligning her destiny. The problem with the sons and daughters of God, we are short-sighted. They don't know that God can tell this person, go in the toilet and start washing it on Sunday. Because the man I've ordained for you will never find you in the congregation. But one day, biological nature will call and you'll find himself walking. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody shout amen. At that point, at that point, Masanda goze balade, Rokozi kala de gado, Masonta la bade gazo. May you hear the voice that connects you to the next level of your destiny. That you don't pursue it out of the lust of the image that will be cast down in your spirit. But that you'll receive it because you're aligned to purpose. And that you can hear God enough. And that hearing will qualify you for that next level. If you've understood it, receive it. And I realized God studied us well. And he knew that sometimes if he doesn't take us that route, we'll go elastic. And when we are last, we lose purpose. So he says, no, let me create something that will test your heart because the qualifications I need to put you in this destiny, to position you in this order, needs that you're disciplined enough to do this first. So I will open this door. Back in the day in our university, the anointing had fallen. The glory was there. We were not just grace, wa-papa. You understand what I'm saying? So, one of those days, one of those days, we went for a meeting and a wonderful man of God was preaching in the university at our basketball court. And we came in, of course, the papas had the front seat the choicest meats, about which meats, biscuits and something. So we sit in front there. Papa is here. 
ses dents. Bisopédésia. Prophète is here. So they introduce us and this man preaches the gospel. And then, the end of service, they announce the basketball court is very dirty and we ask you guys to step back a bit and help us clean this basketball because we borrowed it from the school and, you know, it's uh, common decency or courtesy for us to leave this place clean. We are Christians. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Let's let the men of God first go out. So the men of God, me inclusive, we stood out walking in our anointings. So the service ends and a few people step back. Now as I'm walking back to the hostel, thanking God for his glory and goodness. I'm in the middle of that walk and the Spirit of the Lord tells me, stop. Go back and peek with those children and make sure they don't see you. Now, how do you do it? I don't really understand what I'm saying. Go back and pick that rubbish with those students and make sure you don't do it for their praise. So I tell the rest of the papas, ha, I forgot to do something there. Let me come. I'll find you guys. Yeah, yeah, see you. So I go back through. I look for a dark corner. I entered the same place and I went on the edges where it was dark. Some lights had been off and I started picking papers. Picking papers. Now, Papa picking eh? doesn't exist in the same sentence. Are you following what I'm saying? I picked, picked, picked. Unfortunately, towards the end, as I'm finishing to help the team, a certain young lady sees me even in the dark. Then she starts weeping because she could not believe that Papa was picking. Ah, I tell her. So we finish picking, we collect these things. I make sure I run away before anybody else noticed that I was speaking with them. So I'm walking back on the road back to the hostel. The Lord put something on my life. That's the reason why I'm standing before you today. Are you following what I'm saying? In my own work and ability, my own wisdom and glory, I could not do that. In fact, nobody would let me do that. But I wish I could tell some people that God qualifies hearts, not gifts. God knows your heart and what you are able to do and willing to do and what you cannot do. He knows it. Yet to trust you with this, he must help you go through that. And he knows in your own ego you can't. But you can allow him to break you enough to do it through you. Because that was not me. The inflated papa could not do that. But it was the work of God. I could feel it that there was something in me that carried me to do that. Those little things that discipline your spirit to sometimes find yourself do things you know you could not have done in your own strength. And even if you start to see the reward of those things, you know it's not in your own ability or wisdom. There was a voice by grace that whispered to you to tell you to turn when you could have continued with the rest because you're different. Are you following what I'm saying? But little do you know that that voice which you obey to go back and clean is the very voice you could have rejected and God would struggle to tell you something bigger than that. But in yielding to that voice, it comes with the power and grace for you to perform and it's not you. Like I said, it's Him working in you because that voice invited you. It wasn't your own human effort or understanding that prompted you. It wasn't your own goodness that prompted you, but there's that grace in you that invites you. You feel like it's an invitation. You see the privilege of it. 
Because he's saying, if you can hear me on this, now I can speak more. Now I can speak more. Hallelujah. And then you start to see God working through you in ways that even you can never interpret because you know it's not your own ability, it's not your own strength. If I had not had that voice, I was not the kind who would have stayed back to clean. Are you following what I'm saying? And what I got on that way back home, I never thought, I never thought that a little obedience like that can actually give you something so big. Because that thing, I thought men get it when they go on prayer mountains and spend 10 years there. But I got it picking rubbish on the ground after people had finished preaching. That's why I tell people, don't take lightly those little things. The people who step back when you walk back home and they are carrying chairs and putting them on the cars. And while you're in your beds, in the comfort of your bed, these kids are still unscrewing metals out of this stage. You're sleeping. On Wednesday, Tuesday night, they're setting up, cleaning the chairs to make sure that you come and comfortably sit in the presence. Those people are blessed. And I've seen almost all men mightily used of God. In the process of God dealing with them, there was a time of such equations. Study every man that is mightily used by God. There was an invitation that made them less than what they were willing to do. Because God wanted to do further in them what they would never be able to do. But it begins with those little small things. That obedience that is out of the sanctification of the Spirit. It's not in your, in your human effort. Again, it's God inviting. But for you, that's why I say the most important thing to God is simply yielding. And I'm starting to see that yielding is the highest form of obedience. Really to yield. Because when you surrender, He works in you. Both to will and to do. The Bible says we are God's workmanship in Christ Jesus, created in Christ Jesus and two good works, which God has before ordained that we should, not may, not could, that we should walk in them. That we should walk in them. That we should walk in them. Your God's workmanship. So he simply said, you know what God, I don't know how that's going to work, but I'm available. And you can walk through me because there are things I have no grace to work. It's like when we say, let's go street preaching. Let me tell you, nobody has it in them naturally. To say, let me go on the streets, especially when you have a good education. You went to a good school like Budzel. Agombe, we can risk, you know. <laughs> we can risk, as, as you, nobody knows us, we are far from civilization in the first place. You understand? But <laughs> good daddy high school Montuyera who knows you? <laughs> Praise the Lord Jesus. But Gayaza Nabingo everything with that accent oh my God. <laughs> and God says ah, 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 I also know you can't. I know you can't, but I can walk through you. Those of you who did street preaching understand that power. You remember that time where you went so timid? You went so timid. You didn't even know how, but you yielded and then you got there. And then you say, say praise Jesus. And then some strength starts to come. <laughs> Something starts to charge you up. 45 minutes later, Jesus is Lord. I tell you, you're going to heaven if you believe on his lordship. And then your obis find you. And you don't care anymore. The wiggers stand. They, oh my God. <laughs> tell your neighbor my work of God. Then you come up those streets and you're like, Oh my God, Phoebe, what have I done? Phone calls start coming in. What's on your head? Are you bewitched? <laughs> Somebody's 
say amen. amen. This lawyer who graduated top of their class no longer doesn't want to work. She's on the streets. <laughs> the devil is a liar. Somebody shout amen. amen. Glory to God. But you realize that you're the Lord's work. You're the Lord's work. There's many things we cannot do because it's not in our ability to do. There's a few people who are naturally dispersed to that direction. We have an evangelist in the city called Christopher Buzabariao. You know that guy? He has a gramophone like this. Ever since I met that guy, I think even on his wedding, he had one. I honor that guy. I even send him seeds. I just love his spirit. This guy, he provokes me to be holy. As in, I look at this guy and I'm like, but in heaven, this guy is going to have a big mansion and then I get envious. August, I was in a bus. Praise the Lord. From City Square, Apostle Grace. Look at you. <laughs> Preaching the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I can tell you nothing in me has the ability to do that. If I search myself, it's not there. But when you yield yourself to God, it's amazing that, and I find a woman in that bus. She said, this is what she said. Listen. I was with Apostle Emma. The lady said, because you, Apostle Grace, because you, Apostle Grace, you, you're the one who came in this bus. You. I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Before preaching, I laid hands on her and this woman cried and the power of God came on her in the bus. I went off that bus and I sat for a moment. I just felt tears fall down my eyes. I said, Lord, somebody was saved because I was willing to yield enough to sit in a bus. Somebody's life has been saved. That is not me. Are you following what I'm saying? But you see, when you become a yielded vessel, you die daily. You die daily. You know, people ask themselves, what's the secret of Fanero? This is the secret of Fanero. Fanero has many dead people. Somebody said, he gets people and then he pays all of them to go on the streets. How many would I have to pay? Even in Barara, Gulu, Masaka, Chisoro? No. We just have many dead people here. They are simply a work of God. Where he wants to blow us is where we go. Somebody said hallelujah. They are simply a work of God. They work. They are available. So God, work on me. Harry, tell God, just work on me. You know, it's one thing for us to work for you, but work on us. Do something in me that when somebody sees it, they'll say, this one had no wisdom for it. This one had no qualification for it. There was no amount of prayer he would have prayed to get this. Only God got his vessel and started molding it entirely and completely by his grace. But you have to yield. You have to yield. Some of the hindrances that many of you are dealing with in your life, it's not the demons of your family. No, you've just not given yourself wholly. You're not first the right course and direction. If you start seeing things the way you ought and just yield and first the right direction and do what must be done. He says, this sign shall follow them that believe. These things shall be added unto you. Are you following what I'm saying? They're just added unto you. They're not things you're going to run after. You're not going for them. You're not in the church for them. You're in the church entirely to yield and just be an available vessel. Mary sat at the feet of this man and as he was speaking, something started to deposit in her spirit. He tells Martha, you're troubled with many things. 
And he says, Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. She's chosen what I wanted. I wanted to deposit in you. I wanted to work in you. I wanted you to allow me to function through you. But you're investing time in trying to please me. Yet Christ did enough to please me and there's nothing you can ever do besides what Christ has done to please me enough because you could not even die for your own sin. Stop pleasing me. Just allow me work through you. And that is why later you realize when Mary receives that deposit, the scriptures tell us at the death of Lazarus, when mother heard that Jesus was coming, the Bible tells us she's the one firstly who ran to Jesus. Mary had stayed back. Master, if you were here, my brother would not have died. He tells Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet he shall live. And she tells him, yes, I know that my brother shall be raised on the day of resurrection at the last day. 27. And she said unto him, Yeah, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. 28. Uh-huh. And when she had said so, she went her way. Uh-huh. Verses 28 and called Mary her sister secretly saying, the master is come and he calleth for thee. The master has come and is asking for you. Imagine, you're telling Jesus your brother has died. And then after that, he tells you, where is Mary? If you were here, yeah, where is Mary? Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Verses 29, uh-huh, let's continue. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Verses 30, now Jesus was not yet coming to the town, but was in the place where Martha had met him. And the Jews that were with her, who? Mary, in the house, comforted her. When they saw Mary, that she arose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, she goeth unto the grave to weep there. Verses 32, then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, the Bible says, where did she fall? At the feet. She didn't go making him tea. Because she remembers what she received at the feet. She was reminding the master, there is something you deposited in my spirit and I have a dead brother in the tomb. She repeats the same words, if you had been here, my brother had not died. But here she's speaking in Revelation. Not as Martha. Next verse. And when Jesus saw her weeping, comma, and the Jews also weeping, he groaned in the spirit. When Martha was crying, ah, don't cry, I'm the resurrection. Where is Mary? When Mary cries, the Bible says he's groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Verses 34, he said, where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And the Bible says he wept. Verses 36, then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. Verses 37, and some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused even this man not to die? Long and short, he goes to the grave and says, Lazarus, come forth. You realize the master just needed one person who could connect to the frequency he was in. And that was Mary. Why? Because she's the only one who understood a work done in. Not a work done for him, but a work done in her. Are you following what I'm saying? And Lazarus was raised from the dead. He didn't even ask for Lazarus's tomb first. He asked for Mary. Amazingly. There's a dead man, but he's saying, where is Mary? I want to first see her. Then we talk about the dead. Why? Because she's my work. <laughs> she's my work. And when he saw his work crying, so you understand why when Paul sold and persecutes the church, Jesus asked him, why are you persecuting me? There is nothing that breaks the father like seeing his work destroyed as he's watching. It's like you're building something so beautiful and then somebody starts to tear it and you're watching. Whatever concerns it, concerns you because it is your work. 
Somebody say, I'm the work of the Lord. That's when you really see the vengeance of the Lord. That's when you see just how much love he has for his own work. Why? Because when you totally yield and surrender to this world or life, there is nothing you know of yourself and everything that happens for you and in you because you are his work, he takes sole responsibility. Because if you fail, he's failing. If you win, he's winning. You're his work. It's not your own effort. Your own effort can, you know, fail you and then you say, ah, but that wasn't me. You can't fail anyway. It's not me. But what he has invested time in. That is why it should also change the way you pray. Some of you are praying to please a God who is already pleased with you through Christ. Learn to receive when you're in the presence. Just learn to receive. There is nothing you can give him that he doesn't have already. Nothing. Nothing. There's nothing you can ever offer to God that anybody else cannot offer to him. He has it all. Some people say, yes, we were created to worship God. Even if you don't worship him, the stones can. Hey, are you following what I'm saying? He can ordain even stones to worship him. Don't think that you're refusing to worship God. It will take him off his throne and it will make him less functional. No, whether you worship him or not, he is still God. But what makes the difference is when you allow him to say, let me work in you. Some of the things that you're dealing with can never be fixed until you allow God to work in you. That's the ministry of grace. We allow him to work in us. It does not mean that we negate the works that follow, but it only means that those works we can only accord to him because it is him working in us. That's why I insist that portion of scripture should not have a full stop. For it is God. I know King James put it, but I think it should not have a full stop. It's for it is God which works in you, both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. And God's work. So one day, some of you are going to graduate soon and they'll say, hey, how did you manage that first class degree? I'm a work of God. And then you see a Christian saying, of course, I read a lot and uh, <laughs> my head, you know, in our family, all of us are clever with an arrow. No. I'm a work of God. How have you been able to keep that marriage for 35 years? It's the work of God. How are you running Fanero for nine years? Growing every week. Fanero is God's work. It's not Apostle Grace's. So when there's trouble, I remind him, Papa, you began this good work in me. You said you will see it to accomplishment to the day of Christ. Finish it. Now you can sing songs like You understand? Because you know it's not you. It's him working in you. How did you manage to get that promotion so fast? People your age don't get those jobs. I am a work of God. He is working every day. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Some of us know in school, you remember those days where you entered a paper and you came out thinking, ha, I failed this one. And then you're surprised you got 80. Has anybody ever gone through that? Where you mark yourself against the rates of men and you know that you have failed. But then there is a heaven somewhere. There is a God who has judged that matter before you even sat for that paper and said that you are the head and not the tail. You are my work. Even if it means to blind a man so they will mark you, I'll blind them because you're my work. Somebody shout hallelujah. Glory to God. I remember back in school, we used to have this very clever fellow, very clever guy. You know those guys 
people get so clever that they even start talking like the teacher of the of the <laughs> you know those guys eh? those who idiosyncrasies the teachers have eh? the guy even starts to mimic it when you go for seminars right these were the guys who were discussing and for us we were there we're like <laughs> so First time, the guy is the best. Second time is the best. Third, hey, seven, nine. Senior five, six, he's the best. First time, senior six, the guy is the best. And like, hey, we already know that one. On the that day, you'll just, just sail through. You're sitting in an exam and you're still writing one page and there's a guy who's asking for more papers. <laughs> Teacher, more paper. <laughs> what is this guy writing? More paper. Then you look around and you're so you want a paper? No. Have you finished this one? No. So why are you asking for the paper? I now need it. <laughs> Am I talking to somebody? And then the end year exams came out. And I had beaten the guy. <laughs> may I prophesy upon your life that may you pass through where you were not expected to go through in Jesus mighty name <laughs> somebody shout hallelujah may you just escape it and they will say how did she escape it no, this was a work of God. I'm not saying you shouldn't revise. If you think I am saying you shouldn't revise, then you're not reconciling faith and wisdom. I'm only trying to tell you, God will give you more than your revision can give. When I understood this mystery, I never failed a paper again. Yes, I used to read. But when I get in the paper, I used to feel like there was something more than the reading. And it was directing my hands. Are you following what I'm saying? The rest is not to the swift. Be available for God. And there are people in this very ground who have jobs that you have no educational qualification for. And there are people here who are married to people you didn't deserve to get married to. Come on, your child is smarter than you. You failed in school, but you have a genius in your house. This is the work of God. Somebody shout amen. Stay here. Stay here. Work out your salvation. Oh, the New King James uses a semicolon. You see, they are getting where I'm going. Read the New King James. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as a very obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Is that a semicolon? Huh? Hey, they are getting to where I was going. I don't believe it was a full stop there. New KJV corrected it. Praise the Lord Jesus. New KJV corrected it. I knew there was no full stop there. God is working in me. God is working in me. God work in me. What gift of grace is Jesus my redeemer for is no more from heaven now to give he is my joy my righteousness and freedom my steadfast love my deep and boundless peace to this i hold my hope is only jesus for my life is wholly bound to him oh how strange and divine 
I can sing. All is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Can we sing that song? The night is dark, but I am not forsaken. So by my side, the Savior he will stay. I labor in weakness and rejoice. For in my need, His power is the same.
There's a parent here. I feel the voice of God tell me, allow me to fix your child. You can't. Allow me to fix, give that child to me and say from today, there you work. Tell it to him and mention that name. He'll fix your son. He'll deliver him from drugs. He'll help your daughter wherever you are. As a parent, if your child is going through something or an illness or whatever, just commit that child and say, Father, today, I give you my child, my daughter, my son. Be the worker. Let them be your work. I can't in my own strength. Fix my son. Fix my daughter. Fix my children. I feel God answer that prayer this evening. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you're here and you've never given your life to this Christ we're talking about, He doesn't want you to perfect yourself first. He wants you to come as you are and say, Father, with my insecurities, with my inabilities, with my sinful nature, with my rebellion, with everything, I am coming to you because I know only you can work in my life both to will and to do according to your good pleasure. So if you're there and you say, I want to give my life to Jesus, I want to be born again, just repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory. Today, I receive you as my Lord and Savior, I'm born again. This sermon has Amen. been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowship at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.